Welcome to the Good Grind Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois, and we have got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking all about a new found uh, insect species uh, here in Illinois, the spotted wing lanternfly. Uh, sounds like an interesting insect. Uh, we're going to talk with Dr. Casey Ethy all about, is this a good, bad bug? What to expect? Uh, there's a lot we probably need to unpack here. So, but before we get to Casey, I am joined as always every single week by horticulture educator, Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. How are you? I am fantastically uh, doing fine. Just okay. So how about yourself, Ken? Uh, are you excited that we are talking about insects this week? Uh, we're getting off all those boring plant topics. I am. It's, it's been too long. <laughs> It's Ken. He's just been behind the camera here, just like, why do we have to talk about Lance? Um, <laughs> I'd rather talk about bugs. So, this one's so, for you, Ken. So, we got bugs. That's cool outside. Life is good. Life is good. That's right. Ken is sipping his apple cider, uh, foregoing the pumpkin spice. Um, this is this is the way. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Ken, I know you've kind of been on sort of the, what would we say, like the front line of answering a lot of the spotted wing Drosophila questions since on our team throughout the state, uh, at least on the horticulture team, you're sort of known as the bug guy. Um, so whenever I get these, these insect questions, a lot of times I at least include you if but not altogether, send them to you and abandon them as soon as possible. So, um, have you been seeing a lot of, um, kind of communication, a lot of questions come in um has been busy for you uh not not too bad yeah and spotted lanternfly not drosophila that's what another what did i say i said, said drosophila <laughs> oh my gosh that's another pest <laughs> that's a that's been, that was like 2014 when that first showed up so <laughs> spotted winged lanternfly no, yeah drosophila no winged no spotted lanternfly help me ken <laughs> ken take over what are we talking about today so spotted lanternfly. Um, so I haven't had a whole lot of questions, um, you know, an interview here or there, but nothing too major yet. I'm more, I think maybe in the spring um, you might see more about it, especially if they're, depending on how widespread they are, once they start showing up in, in larger numbers. Um, it's probably a little bit of the, the calm before the storm, but sure. we'll see. Maybe we'll get lucky and it'll be like the, was it the hornet that showed up in Georgia this year? And, you know, we thought it was going to be murder hornets 2.0 and never, nothing ever seemed to come of that, at least yet. Nobody's going to make a beer out of this yellow-legged hornet, right? So, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah there, we'll there's see. a murder hornet beer if anyone's curious. So um, <laughs> I promise I did my homework for this session that I I actually know what I'm talking about. The spotted lanternfly, uh, spotted wing drosophila. Yes, totally different. It's a fruit fly. So um, and so somewhat, let's bring on our special guest so that I can be further chastised uh, for <laughs> totally saying the wrong insect at the top of the show. Um, so we have Dr. Casey Athey uh, on campus at uh, U of I uh, in Champaign-Urbana. Uh, Dr. Athey, Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, apparently I am just tongue-tied all the way around today. Um, I just, uh, I cannot contain myself. Maybe I'm also really excited to talk about insects. Um, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, 
But uh, 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 Casey, you've been on the show before, uh, and you actually talked about spiders before. That was a, a really fun podcast, and we'll put a link to that one below uh, because it is spooky season right now, and so uh, we always like to talk about spooky things here in October. Um, but uh, I, I guess we should probably dive into our line of questions. So, Ken, would you mind getting us started, please? Sure. So, and when this first showed up, what was it, twenty? 14 in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of news about how this is going to lay waste to everything and everything's going to die and get eaten. Um, is, is that the concern? Or are we, I mean, are, are these going to kind of lay waste to our fields and landscapes and everything's going to be barren once they make their way through Illinois? So, no, uh, I can, I can definitely confirm that they will not lay waste to fields and landscapes. Um, I think there's something important to note here with uh, that this is an invasive species. We do actually categorize it that way. Um, and I always like to point out that invasive species, I'm sure you guys have talked about invasive species a lot, but I always like to point out that they are, you know, non-native and harmful. Um, and so I always note that not all non-native species are invasive. Of course, some are just non-native. Um, and what's interesting about spotted lanternfly in that context is, is that when it showed up, as you said, I think the idea was that it was really going to be do incredible amounts of harm. Um, I saw a speculative piece that said that they were worried it would be worse than the spongy moth, which we have been contending with as entomologists for 150 years now. It's not going to be that, probably. Um, I know that when it first arrived, there was a lot of concern because it does eat about 70 species or can feed on about 70 species of plants. And if you looked at pictures from when it arrived in Pennsylvania, you could see trees covered in lanternfly adults, and it just looked like it was kind of going to take over. As the invasion front has moved, I think those high populations have crashed a bit, and so we're not seeing really those levels anymore. Additionally, even a lot of those plants it feeds on, it doesn't really seem to do much of that harm to them. So it's kind of like Japanese beetle then, where they show up at first, you get this really high, you get a peak for a couple of years and then everything just kind of levels off. Over yeah. Time. Yeah. It does seem to be about like that. Now, all that being said, there's not nothing here. So if you are a grape producer, this is something you need to be on the lookout for, you need to be concerned about. Of our cultivated plants, that is the one that these can do some harm to. And that is the um, industry that control of this pest will have to be undertaken in. <clears throat> now, another little note is that for conventional grape growers, we actually have a lot of insecticides that seem to work pretty well on spotted lanternfly. A lot of things kill it. So it's not a particularly hard to kill pest. If you are an organic grape producer, I don't have a particularly, uh, I don't have particularly good news for you as far as that goes, because there, we don't really know much about if any products control it on the organic market. Oh, okay, so um, I guess it's important to know then, especially if you're growing grapes, um, 
And these are the questions people always ask whenever there's a new invasive species. Where did they come from and how did they get here? Uh, and as someone who's about to go down to southern Illinois to enjoy their uh, their wine country this weekend, uh, where are they in Illinois currently? Where do we find them? Yeah, so the uh, <clears throat> infestation in Illinois, which was discovered like three weeks ago about, um, is in Cook County currently. Uh, that's as pinpointed as I will get on that, but it's in Cook County. So currently, there's no evidence of them being in Southern Illinois yet. They may be in Southern Illinois. Um, we just, you know, haven't have reported sightings yet, possibly. But no, the infestation currently is in Cook County. And then um, where do they hail from? Like, what's their, like, what part of the world would we normally find them maybe where they're a bit better balanced with uh, nature? Yeah, so they're native to China, Bangladesh, and Vietnam specifically. And before they got to the United States, they actually invaded South Korea recently as well. So they have been on the move for, for some time. Um, I think they invaded South Korea in 2004 and since then have been to, have invaded some other, including, of course, the United States. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess in terms of like vector, you know, thermal dashboard, it was like firewood. Don't move firewood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's what's the vector for moving these guys around the country? Yeah. So the it's commercial transportation, um, basically. And really what the thought is, is that it's that they are hitching a ride on things. So they're, you know, on cars or again, if you're moving fruit and timber plants around they're, they're hitching a ride that way. And I think the thought is that's how they got to the United States as well. Um, and they, uh, and so they're moving human aided basically, which is really, well, I mean, that's what Emerald Ash Borer is, right? Firewood yeah. is still human aided movement. Cars, trucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and spotted lanternfly too. So one of the things that does make them a problem is, uh, generally is that they can be a bit of a nuisance pest because they'll aggregate on surfaces so you'll find a bunch of them on like the side of a tree and they can do that on artificial surfaces too so they'll aggregate on um yeah things that are a building or whatever else and so their behavior to to do those aggregations makes it so they could you know sit on the side of a truck and you know hitch a ride uh as well always the humans we ruin mm -hmm. everything <laughs> Yep. <clears throat> Makes the world interesting. <laughs> Job security. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Job security for entomologists. Invasive species? Question mark. <laughs> Just trying to categorize what bugs we have natively still. So <laughs> yes. All right. So now that we know that they're 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 not gonna kill everything, but they still could potentially cause some problems. And we haven't really talked about what they look like. So yes. what 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 do they what do they look like? So I will uh, start with they're actually really pretty. <laughs> I think they're very charismatic insects. Often, I think invasive species when I think about them are you know yes, uh, not some are pretty, but it's interesting to think of it that way. But they they're about an inch long. Um, so they're a relatively large insect as well. And they're pretty easy to spot when they're at rest. So if you saw them on the side of a tree, their wings that you can see are gray with black spots. Um, and then they have kind of a, an edge on them that's kind of uh, 
um, that has uh, outlined wingtips and the hind wings. So if they're in flight, you'll be able to see the hind wings and the hind wings um, are red and black in color. So they're really uh, easy to see. Um, and the, the body itself is mostly black. It's got some yellow sides on the body. So again, a lot of color going on in this insect. Um, and then the immatures are also super cool. So the smallest of the immatures, the smallest nymphs are black with white spots. As they get older, the color, the base color starts to go red. So they look kind of like they're, you know, more red, but they still have that black base and then white spots on them. So they're just a really charismatic insect. I will say that as adults, they do with their coloration, given those hind wings being really colored and the forewings not, is they will often look like other sort of underwing moths and things that we have from far away. So they are a charismatic insect and they are pretty distinctive, but always keep in mind that things often look like other things. And so when you're trying to identify if this is the thing that you have, make sure that you're looking for those spots on those four wings and really looking closely to make sure it's not just a moth. And I'll say a lot of, the, at least initially, a lot of the pictures that were floating around were of them with their their wings spread like mm -hmm. this. So I think, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times that kind of gave people, you know, we're just gonna look for this red insect, but usually you just see them with the, the wings folded up. So you don't necessarily always see that red. And mm -hmm. I don't think that, that that picture with the wings spread, I don't think that's used quite as much as it was, but. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely pictures where their wings are at rest that are a much better thing to look at if you think that you have found a lanternfly, um, because that's what it's going to look like when it's sitting on a on a tree or anything like that. And you can kind of see those, those four wings, you can almost see the color through them as well a little bit, um, which is not going to happen if it's a moth. Um, uh, that would you'd be confused you know with that and that again is only really if they're in flight obviously if they're in rest you're not probably going to confuse it with a lot of other things we, you've described uh kind of there's there, there are different life stages here we talked about their ak scene and their adults and and uh so could we talk a bit about their life cycle though um in terms of maybe the timing Mm -hmm. um, do they have an annual life cycle? Are there multiple generations per year? Uh, maybe walk us through the year and what should we expect to see during certain times of the year? Yeah, yeah. So they have one generation a year. Um, okay. So they, during the, so I'll start with sort of the fall. So they they have, they lay their eggs in September through November. So around right now, if you were in a place that had them, they'd be in that egg laying stage. You'd have the adults out mating and egg laying eggs. Um, the overwintering is the eggs. So they'll lay those eggs and eggs hang out all winter long on tree bark mostly. Um, and they're kind of nondescript, uh, but they're uh, on, on tree bark. And then in the spring, those eggs will hatch. So it's usually late April or, you know, early May, generally speaking, is when you're going to see those first really small nymphs. Again, those are the black ones with the white spots. And then they're going to spend from that until you know, late July going through their um, uh, nymphal growth stages, going from that, you know, black color to being much more red and obviously bigger. Um, and then the adults really show up in late July through, again, like November, depending. Um, they're flying around looking for mates, uh, that sort of thing, laying eggs. Um, and so your interaction with them, if you're a homeowner, is probably going to be more on that sort of 
fall type time because that's when you're going to see them the most probably you know near your house as opposed to if you were you know a grape grower you'd be contending with them during the summer right yeah i remember watching uh, we were watching an mlb game this summer and it's the first time i've ever seen an insect uh take top billing uh you know the the camera kept pointing to the lights and there were um lantern flies like all over the stadium it was kind of like taylor swift at a chiefs game you know but um <laughs> it was lantern fly, spotted lantern fly so um yeah just i i, I just thought that was interesting mm-hmm. uh, national broadcast of an mlb game uh spotted lantern fly getting top billing there yeah yeah because there was just so many of them all trying to mate <laughs> mm-hmm. yep i was gonna say you want to discuss your your interview your celebrity interview about <laughs> since we're on the topic of famous celebrity flies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, I was contacted by a celebrity reporter um, within the last couple of weeks, and she wanted me to uh, either um, to confirm or deny whether or not Leonardo DiCaprio was correct in squishing a spotted lantern fly. So whether or not I would say that he was justified in doing such a thing or whether or not an expert would say that he did the wrong thing because he's an environmentalist and he killed that bug. Um, And so the title is Leonardo DiCaprio free to squish spotted lanternfly says expert. Um, (laughs) It's an article that exists out there. Um, But yeah, it made enough news that the tabloid things were like, Oh, we need to figure out if this is an acceptable thing for him to have done. This is amazing. And and <laughs> SNL even did a, a, a skit on Spotted Lanternfly. Oh, I know. I know. The costume was amazing. I loved it. It was. <laughs> Man, we got to get I this. I need that costume. <laughs> we, we need the costume. We need the insects agent. Like, how do we mm-hmm. get, how do we break <laughs> out like this, uh, like the Spotted Lanternfly has? So as fascinating how this is kind of embroiled pop culture too yeah start eating everything yes <laughs> yeah, just start eating all the trees <laughs> just go into, into vineyards and start eating the grapes they'll love that yeah. <laughs> all kinds of people coming for you <laughs> so we know they're in they're in cook county area and and one question i've gotten is you know how do i how do i keep them out of my yard so if you're in Cook County or or as they it will eventually spread throughout the state, is there a way we can keep them out of the yards? So my best advice on that, honestly, is to not have tree of heaven in your yard, really. So again, it's it's not like you're gonna cut down your silver maple tree or something. Um, because they'll, you know, there's a lot of things they will feed on, but their favorite food is tree of heaven and it is a weed tree no one i think on purpose plants tree of heaven but if you have weedy areas in your yard that have it if you can remove it that's gonna be one of the better ways to keep it away from your yard because that's what it would want to eat most likely um at this at this point i would say that would be the best advice is just don't have their favorite food in your yard um, also, I mean, you know, if you're not planting grapes either, that helps, but most people don't have grapes in their backyard. Some do, but, um, uh, and in that case, I think 
you're not necessarily preventing them from completely getting in your yard if you have plants they like to eat, much like anything else. Um, but, you know, be on the lookout. Uh, as I said before, there is a lot of things that um, are pretty effective if you want to use insecticides. Uh, we, we recommend you squish them still. Um, although I should put out the PSA that here in Illinois, if you think you see one, take a picture of it and send it, send the picture to lanternfly at illinois.edu. Um, you can squish it after that, but please take a picture so we know your location, so we can investigate, you know, as it moves, we'd like to know where it is as quickly as possible. So my, my, my advice of squishing it is still true, but like, take a picture first. Let's make sure that we've seen where it is before you, before you go all squishing it just yet. So and once we kind of get to the point of where, you know, squishing it isn't going to cover it anymore for managing them, <laughs> what, are, what are some other ways we can, we can manage these? And you mentioned some, there insecticides that work pretty good on them. Mm -hmm. um, Conventional else? insecticide, um, as it turns out. Uh, so even, you know, some of the oil sprays, you could, I don't know how effective right now, what the research shows, but when it comes to eggs, you know, one of the ways to really cut down on any of these populations, if you see those egg cases in the fall and you can find them on your trees, get rid of those. Again, it, I'm still saying manual removal at this point, um, but, you know, that's your first uh line of defense, if you will. If you find that you have them in your yard, getting rid of those egg cases will prevent that from, at least in your yard, reinfesting. Um, but right now, I think a lot of what has been done is is focus more on the insecticide realm. Um, and they do travel quite well. They jump pretty far. They can walk or fly like three to four miles. So one of the issues that has like grape growers is that it's easy for them to reinfest an area because they can travel pretty well. And so again, you're not going to, if they're in your area, you're probably outside of just watching and spraying a lot. You're never going to prevent them entirely from being in your yard. Um, and I'm sure that as we go forward, there will be other control, more creative control mechanisms that people will um, uh, start researching and looking into. Uh, but right now, you know, a lot of it has been into the insecticide effectiveness. And, and again, get rid of tree of heaven, make it go away. <clears throat> Cannot overstate that. It doesn't need to be in your yard anyway, make it go away. And you mentioned they're, they're laying eggs. Can you describe the, the egg cases again? So if people, especially people kind of Cook County, if they're looking for them. Yeah. So they kind of, they're kind of brownish and they do tend to, to, um, uh, kind of blend into the the bark a little. They seem to lay their eggs mostly on bar the bark of trees, and they do have a covering. Um, and so they have kind of a, a brown covering over the top, and all of it would be you could scrape off um, uh, as far as the the egg masses go. And you can find pictures of those if you look up spotted lanternfly to look see what that looks like on your tree. Um, and they're pretty big egg masses but it, they can be kind of hard to find because they're not a different color necessarily than the bark, which I'm sure is by design. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of looks like a <clears throat> kind of mud, spotch of mud, yeah. kind of a waxy spotch of mud. And then over time, it kind of is going to break up over time and get kind of cracked. Mm -hmm. and... and that's a great way to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we can probably track down some pictures and, and throw them in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's quite, uh, yep, there's quite a few. Making notes right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, there's quite a few ones available of the of the egg masses. Um, well, okay. So if I'm scouting for them, I know I can look on the trunk for the egg masses. For the adults, if I'm in my yard and I'm scouting, am I also going to be looking at trunks? Since these guys are, I mean, they they suck sap. They mm -hmm. they're um, sap suckers, leaf hopping, sap sucking uh, lantern flies. So where do I look for the adults? Yeah, so they're going to be on trunks, limbs, and shoots. That's what they're going to be feeding on. So adults and nymphs, especially um, when when you're, you know, throughout the summer, they're going to be feeding on those parts of the plant. So that's what you're going to be looking at. They don't feed on they don't directly feed on the fruits and they don't directly feed on leaves, really. Um, but shoots, limbs and, and trunks um, and the trunks is more the like resting on the limbs and shoots are more of where the feeding is happening and a tree anyway. <clears throat> Okay, and then I, this bears repeating. You see it, take a picture, mm -hmm. send it to what's the email address again? Lanternfly at illinois.edu. Okay, and then <laughs> squish it. <laughs> yes, then you may squish it. You are allowed to squish it. Yes, okay. but picture first, um, and obviously you know your own location, but make sure that that's you know included in your email so that we know where to where to come and check. Excellent, and. Okay, I have to ask because I deal with brown marmorated stink bug a lot. Like I'm waiting for that population to go down in my house. Uh, it is not. Do lanternflies smell bad when you squish them? <laughs> Ooh. Um, or should I report know, back once I, I find yeah, them? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know, but lanternflies are not that type of bug. So... Um, I don't know that they have scent glands. I don't know. I don't think they would smell, but I cannot promise you that. A lot of, because a lot of true bugs smell that are related to stink bugs. Um, the little minute pirate bugs that come out in the fall and bite people, mm -hmm. they smell if you squish them. Um, but I don't think most of the plant hoppers do. I, I was moving things around in the garage this weekend and I put my hand behind a box that was against the wall that had probably like two dozen stink bugs and my hand came back just awful. No amount of soap could take that odor away. So Yeah. Um, They'll also stain your hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um I noticed that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that does not go away for like a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh it's uh it's fun. Ugh. I've also Stink been told they, they taste like they smell too. Oh, I bet they do. <clears throat> I will. I will not try that one. No. <laughs> the, the person no. I was telling you this was was his master gardener training. They said they were picking some lettuce and they had some stink bugs in it, and they didn't know it, and they ate them, and they taste exactly like they smell. Interesting. Interesting. Well, my middle child would take um, lady beetles that came in in the fall too, and would eat them. He's fine now. <laughs> well, they wouldn't hurt him then, so it's fine too. Yeah, um, I don't think they tasted good. Probably <laughs> he not. Still ate them. <laughs> yeah. No, and usually when, when people are eating bugs, they'll like cook them first um, mm -hmm. and do a variety of things before actually eat them. Not so much just picking them up. Yeah. 
And, and normally colors are a warning sign in nature. And so um, the spotted lanternfly being so colorful, I mean, it's it's probably more of just for show, not necessarily that it tastes or smells bad. It's just saying, hey, leave me alone. Probably not good. Well, yeah, it's probably doing the, you know, the mimicry of other things that would be distasteful because it doesn't consume any plants that it could get the chemicals from that could make it distasteful um and obviously doesn't stink like a stink bug does um uh, and so yeah it's that it's that fake warning coloration um uh instead of being a true indicator that it's dangerous <laughs> <laughs> sounds like we need to find some and have a taste test right oh that sounds like a fun game <laughs> <laughs> is it a stink bug is it a lanternfly yeah Oh. Word disclaimer, don't do this at home. Yeah, no, do not do no, this. Don't do... <laughs> don't this is not a challenge. Eat... No, <laughs> do not let your children eat bugs off the windowsill. I think if, if I didn't mention this before, uh, the one other thing that may be a problem for is agrotourism. So that swarming behavior that you talked about before with the baseball game can happen at U-Picks and things like that as well. Um, and so that is one concern that that we do have is some of the agritourism things, or if people are going to a nice vineyard and the vines are all covered in sooty mold and full of lantern flies, um, you know, sort of that. It's not just the direct damage to the plant. It's also just the interaction with humans. Real quick, back to the eating stuff. So what was it, a month or two ago, Chris, we did a show on planting trees and we need to be on the lookout for periodical cicadas. So mm -hmm. if you won't listen to Chris and I, maybe you'll <laughs> listen to Casey. So <laughs> anything uh, periodical cicada related want to mention while you're on? Um, yeah. So uh, 2024 here in Illinois is our big periodical cicada year. So we will have one of the broods of 17-year cicadas that will come out. That's the Northern Illinois brood specifically. And we will have a group of 13-year cicadas, the Great Southern Brood, um, which will take up large portions of our state. Now, there is a third brood called the Mississippi Valley Brood that is a 2028 set of periodical cicadas that likely will have a set of them that come out four years early. If that happens, we're basically having periodical cicadas everywhere in our state in 2024. So if you are a orchard owner and you are planning on planting any tiny trees in spring of 2024, maybe don't because periodical cicadas really are only harmful and or can kill trees to very young trees or potentially anything that has like a lot of damage to it. So um, I would recommend if you can avoid planting any brand new trees in spring of 2024, whether they be orchard trees or one you want to put in your yard, maybe wait. If you cannot wait, you will probably have to spray to avoid damage to your trees when they're very small. Mature trees will be fine. That's fine. <laughs> you don't need to worry about that. Um, now, I know for large orchard production, when periodical cicadas are out, often they are spraying for them. But if you're a homeowner or something and your trees are mature, just Enjoy the sights and sounds of the periodical cicadas of 2024. And when I'd extend it, if, if you planted a tree this fall, you'd want to keep an eye on it. Too. You would. Yes. Yes, you would. 
Yep, absolutely. Anything that's going to be very young in the spring, um, you want to be really careful with because uh, the, you know, it's just the sheer amount of cicadas that come out and the damage is because what they do is they have this little sort of serrated knife thing that is their ovipositor that's their egg laying vessel. So they're actually cutting into small twigs and laying eggs inside of those. So your little twigs and shoots are getting severely damaged. And if you're a very young tree, it just can't really handle that. I just planted two trees on Sunday. Good to know. Yeah. yeah be careful with them. <laughs> we'll do. I, I think I'm going to buy some insect netting and I might try the physical barrier for these guys, uh, tie them up. I mean, they're very small. They're, they're the, they're my height. So I can do insect netting over top time around the base of the trunk. And hopefully that should that, keep them away. Yes. Yes. Okay. That will, that will certainly help. I mean, I can't imagine unless you have such an infestation that they're able to like cut through the netting with their ovipositor. Ovipositor doesn't do that, so it shouldn't be doing that. That's a good way to go. Um, yeah, barriers. And I guess I could go back to Spotted Lanternfly for a hot second and say that if you have grapes in your yard and you're very concerned and you know you have Spotted Lanternfly in, in the area, trying a barrier method is not a terrible idea either. Netting is always a thing. Insect exclusion is always a thing you can try. Um, and that's certainly true with periodical cicadas. Of course, you do have to make sure you tie around that trunk because if you just put it over the top, they're just going to climb up the trunk of the tree. Yeah. Um, so you need to make sure that you've, you know, basically made it into a present. <laughs> mm -hmm. You cannot come out until after the cicadas go away. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Well, that was a lot of great information about spotted lanternfly and a little tidbit about our periodical cicadas that we're going to be seeing next year. The Good Growing Podcast is a production of University of Illinois Extension, edited this week by me, Chris Enroth. A special thank you to Dr. Casey Athey for being on the show today to talk to us about spotted lanternfly. Thank you for setting me straight when I started off on Drosophilas here. Um, Casey, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was fun. And thank you, Ken, for being with me, as always, every single week. Uh, here on the podcast. Yes, thank you, Casey. If we do a uh, cicada cooking episode, we'll let you know. Oh, I will be here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have to plan this now. We keep talking about it. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we just <laughs> need to do it. You can never buy soaps up. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep advertising a thing that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, thank you as always. And let's do this again next week. Oh, we shall do this again next week. We're going to be talking with Dr. Chelsea Harbach with Iowa State University all about spooky plant diseases. It's Halloween coming up. We're going to talk about those uh, terrifyingly, uh, what she would call terrific plant diseases. She thinks they're fun. Um, so listeners, thank you for doing what you do best and that is listening. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, watching. And as always, keep on growing.